coming up, how did the D-backs squander a dynamite Zach Davies star? And what are my biggest likes and dislikes from the early part of the D-backs season? Breaking it all down for you next. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Of course, if you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter. Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. I want to talk about the biggest likes and dislikes I have from this early part of the D-back season. But before we get there, I first want to discuss this Disgusting game two loss to the Cincinnati Reds. The D-backs lose in extra innings. They go down 5-3 to three to the Cincinnati Reds. And the Reds have had the D-backs number all season like we talked about on yesterday's pod. The D-backs owned the Cincinnati Reds last season. And we're going to be talking about that with Jeff Carr of Lockdown Reds tomorrow. Doing a little series recap, uh, doing a little series recap because we'll probably discuss how the D-backs owned the Reds last season. But so far, the Reds defeated the D-backs in the first series this year. And so far... They've defeated the D-backs in the first two games of this series. And when you look at this game, I mean, it was a pitching duel through regulation. The first nine innings, a straight up old school pitching duel. But once we got to extra innings, this game completely flipped on its head. So let's break it down because Zach Davies was dominant tonight. Third straight quality start by Zach Davies. He's looked really good recently. And just looking at his overall game log, he only has one start this year with more than four earned runs in any given start. And that was with five runs. So the most runs he's given up all season is five runs. Only only time he's given up more than four runs, just one time all season. I think he's only given up um, more than three runs, like two or three times all season. So Davies has surprisingly been pretty good. His ear rate after this start is a 3.78. And Davies, seven innings, six hits, no earned runs, big deal. Seven strikeouts. He's not a big strikeout artist, but today he was. And no walks allowed. The D-backs didn't allow a walk till Sean Poppin put on a Cincinnati Reds batter in the 12th inning. And the D-backs, from pitching standpoint, Point from Zach Davies' standpoint looked really good in this. And Davies, I thought his changeup was just absolutely phenomenal tonight. I mean, if you're just looking at the stat cast numbers, Zach Davies' changeup had an average exit velocity of only 79.8 miles per hour, by far the best of his pitches. So the Reds were definitely 
off balance when it came to Zach Davis changeup, which he threw the second most among all his pitches tonight. And the changeup, I think, was the most effective pitch for Zach Davis. I thought it had a lot of movement and a lot of sync to that changeup. So it was a very nice, um, the, the changeup was a very nice pitch to work, work off of his singer ball in this game. But if you look on the other side for the Cincinnati Reds, I mean, despite Zach Davies having a fantastic start with the seven innings, seven strikeouts, no earned runs like I talked about, he was the second best starter in this game because Tyler Molly of the Cincinnati Reds just completely worked the D-backs, and I think he worked the D-backs in his first start last week and today against the D-backs, nine innings, three hits, 12 strikeouts, and I actually counted it up, I believe 11 of the 12 strikeouts came against Tyler Motley's fastball, so Miley was basically, all he needed was that fastball. He just kept throwing the heat, and the D-backs could do absolutely nothing with it. I mean, they were overmatched most of the time whenever they saw that Miley fastball. And the last time they faced Miley, six innings, one earned run, 10 strikeouts. That's what Miley did against the D-backs. So that's now 22 strikeouts and just two starts for Tyler Miley against the D-backs. He's looked phenomenal. This was a straight pitcher's duel through those first nine innings. We did have a great defense of playing this that kept a run off the board where you had that ball hit to deep center field over Alec Thomas's head but Dalton Varsho comes through with the help defense he picks it up hits the cutoff Ketel Marte who then throws home a strike to get the runner out and it was just a great relay and a great defensive highlight by the D-backs because I think defensively is an area the D-backs have gone pretty good in the last couple of weeks outside of the Keta Marte occasional yip game. The, the the defense specifically from an outfield standpoint with Alec Thomas in center field and now Dalton Varsha in right field, so rangy, so athletic. So from a defensive standpoint, I really like the D-backs outfield right now. But once we got to the extra innings with this game, I mean... It completely flipped on its head because the D-backs bullpen was terrible. And it felt like both teams didn't want to win this game once we got to extra innings because Melanson, of course, no earned runs because of the ghost runner rule, but he was giving up hits to... It wasn't like he gave up a sack fly that scored that runner. He gave up a base hit, so I feel like that should go against Mark Melanson's ERA. Ian Kennedy came in the next inning. He gave up two earned runs, and then Sean Poppin topped it off in the 12th inning, giving up two earned runs as well. I mean, the Reds, they were just doing wild pitch after wild pitch, which was putting runs on the board for the D-backs, but eventually, the Reds just kept putting up two runs, uh, you know, an inning in both the 11th to 12th inning and it's you could come back from you know a, a two-run deficit in one of those innings once you get to extra innings but once you get to multi-run deficits and in multiple innings once you get to extra innings it's really tough to have multiple comebacks in extra innings and the d-backs were not able to do that you got the one in the 11th with two wild pitches and the d-backs probably shouldn't have even come back in that inning but the reds were like here take this victory but i guess the cincinnati reds offense didn't get the memo or maybe it was the d-backs open that didn't get the memo because it seemed like uh, the D-backs bullpen did not want to win this game and it feels like the Reds bullpen didn't want to win this game either but the Reds offense definitely did want to win this game and they did win this game in the 12th inning so an overall just squandered a squandered win and it felt like both of these games, the first game of the series and this game of the series, felt like squandered wins because Merrill Kelly was dominant yesterday through those first few innings of the game, and then all of a sudden the Reds' offense just started jumping all over Merrill Kelly. Meanwhile, the D-backs' offense wasn't able to come through at all. Then you look at today's game, Zach Davies, phenomenal through the first seven innings. Noah Ramirez had a 
big out in the eighth inning. You had Joe Mantiply um, escape some danger in the ninth inning as well. So you got great pitching through regulation. But once again, the offense was able to do absolutely nothing. Two for 12 runners in scoring position. Josh Rojas probably had one of his worst games of the year. I mean, against that Molly fastball, Josh Rojas, three strikeouts for him today. Haven Smith 0 for 5. His batting average is now below the Mendoza line, only 195 average. I think he has a OPS below 700 as well. I've seen some people on D-backs Twitter start throwing around the idea that maybe Haven Smith should be demoted. We'll see what happens there, but let's get into our three moons of the game. We give out three stars after every D-backs win, but after after losses, we have to hand out three moons to the three most to the three players who probably impacted the game the least or had opportunities to impact the game and just squandered their opportunities. So the three moons of the game, first moon, I think I have to give it to Josh Rojas. So I mentioned 0 for 4, three strikeouts. I mean, he just looked overmatched most of his at bats. Second moon of the game goes to another guy who looked overmatched in his at bats in Paven Smith, who was 0 for 5 on the day, and he's in like a 5 for 60 slump, something like that like that. Paven Smith has been really struggling over the last couple weeks, and he's someone that has dipped into a little power surge overall on the year that seems to be, you know, in line to break his career high in home runs potentially this season if he doesn't get demoted first because outside of the power, Paven Smith has not been able to consistently string together hits, and he's really struggling at the plate right now. He made a couple defensive highlights over there at first base, especially in extra innings, was able to uh, he, he got that double play that I think sent us into the 12th inning. So Pavin Smith, a couple defensive highlights at first base, but his bat right now not good enough to keep him in the lineup. And I wonder if they make a little Pavin Smith, Seth Beer switch down the line. And then my third moon of the game, I think, is going to the bullpen. Once we got into extra innings, I'm not giving it to one player. I'm just giving it to the whole bullpen in extra innings. Melanson, Kennedy, and Sean Poppin, you three are the reason are big reasons why the D-backs lost this game and a big reason why the D-backs squandered an opportunity. So I did not like what I saw from the D-backs tonight, but I am going to talk about things that I have liked from this early part of the D-back season in segment number two. But one other thing that I like is fine jewelry. And if you want fine jewelry right now, you need to head to BlueNile.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. BlueNile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Lockdown listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace at BlueNile.com today. The Ultimate NBA Mock Draft starts June 16th. With over 50 insiders, nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft experts plus the Odyssey insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick.
All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast. And I want to discuss three things that I've liked from this early part of the D-back season. And then we'll discuss three things I don't like. But let's first start with the positivities. And the first thing that I like from the D-backs early part of the season is the Brent Strom effect. Because I don't think we can deny that Brent Strom has made a significant impact on this D-backs team. Now, the bullpen is still pretty bad. But from a starting pitching perspective, which is Brent Strom's bread and butter, Bread and butter, bread and butter. Maybe it is butter because he's Brent. But from a pitching, starting pitching perspective, I mean, Brent Strom is as advertised with star Merrill Kelly, who had probably the best first month of his career. He has struggled a little bit over his last few starts, but still overall a very good Merrill Kelly season. He's walking people at a slightly higher rate than you would like, but he's also given up less hits, and he still has a pretty good ERA at a 3.68. Look at Madison Bumgarner. That's probably the biggest difference when you look at the Brent Strom effect because Madison Bumgarner, I don't even think should have been in a rotation if he wasn't making the money he was making and what the D-backs was paying him because uh, he, he just wasn't a rotation member with how he looked those first couple years in the D-backs uniform. I mean, he pitched to around a five-year ray. He looked terrible whenever Madison Bumgarner was on the mound. If he went, if he just pitched into the fifth inning, you thought it was a successful start, especially if he gave up four earned runs or less. And now Madison Bumgarner doesn't at least pitch into the fifth inning with no more than three earned runs, then you consider it a poor start by Madison Bumgarner's this year. He's really changed our expectations of how we should view him as a starter going forward because right now, Madison Bumgarner has looked good. He's looked good all season, and I don't think he's looked like a number one or a number two or a guy who should be making the money he's making, but he's looked like a quality guy, and he's looked like probably a legit number three starter or maybe someone that another team wouldn't mind trading for now that he's only got a couple years, I think, left on his contract. It might be three years. Don't quote me on that. It might be two years, but he, he looks like a more tradable asset now that he's actually pitching well. You just might have to trade Brent Strom to, ever, who, to whoever acquires Madison Bumgarner as well because they might might be a package deal at this point and then you look at Zach Gallen who is the cream of the crop who is the face of this rotation and he was not himself last season part of that is just because of injuries it was just a weird year up and down for Zach Gallen he was very good those previous two years uh with the Arizona Dimebacks but did not look great last season and you look at Zach Allen this year, a 2.95 ERA. His strikeout numbers are pretty low. You know, he, he's not a big strikeout artist, but walk numbers, his whip, his FIP, he just doesn't allow a lot of damage or hard contact. And I think he's looked like a frontline starter. I think Zach Allen has Cy Young stuff, and he's if he's able to be managed by Brent Strom for at least the next few seasons. I could see a Cy Young coming in Zach Allen's future. So I have loved the Brent Strom effect. And how about Zach Davies as well? I mean, Zach Davies over his last three starts has looked absolutely phenomenal. Zach Davies, when we signed him during the offseason to be potentially the number five starter, I was like, eh, not really that into it. Zach Davies didn't really look too good last year when we lost home with the Chicago Cubs. He looked terrible. So I wasn't too in on Zach Davies, but he He's looked pretty good for this D-backs team so far. So I think four of the five starters in the rotation have had pretty good seasons. So that is definitely the Brent Strom effect. Number two, Christian Walker back to crushing pitches. I've really liked this this season because I think he's tied for second in the I think he's second in the National League in home runs. He's definitely top three in the NL in home runs. He's got 16 bombs on the year. Those first couple years in the D-backs uniform, 2019-2020, Christian Walker was one of the 
one of the best hard contact hitters on this D-backs team. 2019, he had the 20, he had the 29 home runs in 2020. He only he, he, he took a major step back in terms of over the fence power, but the hard contact numbers were still there in 2020. But in 2021, the hard contact numbers were not there. And like some other D-backs players who struggled last year, you could look at injuries as a big reason. Christian Walker was in and out of the lineup last year, and I think it was a big reason why the power numbers weren't there. But now that Christian Walker is back to crushing pitches, I mean, his batting average is still pretty low, but I'm glad the over-the-fence power is back for Christian Walker because the D-backs were one of the worst teams last season in terms of hitting home runs. Now they've made a big turnaround in that department. They're now one of the better teams in the National League at hitting home runs, and Christian Walker is a big part of that, and he might lead the National League in home runs. I mean, at the pace he's at, he's going to be in the conversation, which is just absolutely crazy to say and then the last thing that I like from this early part of the D-back season is that we're getting a little glimpse into the D-backs future outfield because we called up Alec Thomas I think he's looked pretty good at the plate this year he's had stretches of brilliance stretches where he's gone cold but overall his numbers across the board I think are still pretty solid if I had to pull up his numbers real quick heading into today's game against the Cincinnati Reds 270 average 789 OPS five home runs I mean he's got the speed he only has two stolen bases but he's been able to beat out some ground balls you can see his speed specifically in the outfield defensively over the last three weeks. Alec Thomas has been insane robbing home runs. I think he won MLB's uh, defensive play of the week. We saw him today against the Cincinnati Reds, against the Reds the whole series. So Alec Thomas is just going to be a high floor guy at the very least because he's just a slap shot hitter that just knows how to get on base, can make solid contact, and it just elite defensively as well. And now that we got Dalton Varsho in right field, just a great glimpse into the D-backs future outfield. Knowing Corbin Carroll has also been crushing it in the minors as well. The D-backs future looks definitely bright. We need Dalton Varsho to pick it up a little bit because his numbers on the season are now pretty bad. Entering this game against the Cincinnati Reds, Dalton Varsho, 240 average, 753 OPS. Does have four stolen bases, does have nine home runs, but we know Dalton Varsho can get to another level, and I'm excited to see him get to that level. Um, I hope it comes sooner rather than later because the quicker Dalton Varsho can become an everyday all-star and add to that and get that consistently can get that consistency like a Ketel Marte um it would only make the D-backs that closer to potentially winning a World Series but first you got to get to the postseason so those are the three things that I like from the from the D-backs from this early part of the season I like the Brent Strom effect on this starting rotation I like Christian Walker that he's back to crushing pitches and I like that we're getting a little glimpse into the D-backs future outfield now I want to discuss three things that I don't like from this early part of this D-back season. And one thing I don't like is not having energy when I wake up every day. But one thing that does give me energy is AG1 because one scoop of AG1 in the morning is all I need for the rest of my day. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. And the reason why I love AG1 is because it's lifestyle-friendly. 
Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it does not matter. It costs you less than $3 a day, and it has over 7,000 five-star reviews, so you know it's reputable. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your betting stats and sports info. Find the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss three things I don't like from this early part of this D-back season. The first thing I don't like... The bullpen continuing to be a disaster. And we saw it tonight against the Cincinnati Reds because I know the ghost runner rule doesn't count against your ERA, but Mark Melanson did give up a hit to score that runner from third base. And Kendi gave up two runs in the 11th. And then Sean Poppin, who has been pretty solid this year. Sean Poppin, 2-5-4 ERA. He's been pretty good for the D-backs this season. He gave up two earned runs in the 12th. And right now, if you had to say who you trust in this D-backs bullpen, like Joe Mantiply, of course, Kyle Nelson I trust. And then after that, it falls off pretty quickly. Like, is Sean Poppin third on that list? Is it Ian Kennedy? Is it Noah Ramirez? Like, it falls off quickly after Mantiply and Kyle Nelson, who are both lefties. So the D-backs really don't have a trustworthy right-handed pitcher. They were hoping Mark Melanson. They were hoping Ian Kennedy to establish you know, veterans who have a ton of closing experience and neither of those guys have worked out as Mike Hazen offseason free agent signings. Like a lot of back-end relievers that Mike Hazen has signed, late-career back-end relievers that Mike Hazen signed. A lot of those guys haven't worked out, and this bullpen just continues to be a disaster and has really hamstrung this team over the last couple of years, the last two to three years. The bullpen has been, I think, the through line as to why this team consistently has been underperforming because I think there's games that they have been able to win in position to win, and then all of a sudden your bullpen comes in and they just completely blow up the game. So the bullpen continuing to be a disaster is my first dislike from the season. My second dislike, no one, uh, there's been flashes from, uh, let me get this right, there's been flashes of brilliance from a myriad of different players on this D-backs roster, but no one has consistently looked like an all-star outside of Ketel Marte. So what am I saying? Basically, outside of Ketel Marte, no one has really shown me all-star level potential. They've shown me flashes, of course, the Dalton Varshows and the Alec Thomases. They've shown flashes, but no one has really played like an all-star outside of Ketel Marte. 
outside of Ketel Marte this season because you got Christian Walker. He's got the 16 home runs. He's got an 800 OPS, but he can't get past the 209 average and the fact that if you take those home runs away, which is not really fair to do, um, he's not really much without that over-the-fence power this season. You look at Alec Thomas, his sample size is probably just too small. Dalton Varsho, he's been in a little slump now for three weeks. David Peralta, he his numbers have fallen off dramatically since that first month of the season. So really, I mean, Josh Rojas, he's been pretty good as well this season, but another small sample size as well. So really outside of Ketel Marte, who's been on an insane bender the last six weeks, there's no one else in this lineup, at least this season, that has really played consistently like an all-star or has looked like an all-star. We've seen flashes from the Varshows and Alec Thomases, but I think it's just disappointing that Ketel Marte has not had a true running mate this season that you can say has matches productiveness or consistency and I think that it just in terms of player development I, I don't think that's a success I wouldn't call it a failure but it's definitely not a success hopefully in the second half like last season Dalton Varsho can pick it up because last year in the second half I think Dalton Varsho consistently played like an all-star level player this season so far he's been up and down maybe Alec Thomas is that guy in the second half maybe it's someone like Josh Rojas but I think Ketel Marte really needs a running mate because over the last six weeks he's pretty much the only guy that has looked like an all-star in this roster you've had guys come and go for a week or two where they get hot like a Christian Walker or Alec Thomas or Dalton Marshall like I've said but no one has been consistently been a running mate for for Ketel Marte for a while now probably since you know um what, since he had Eduardo Espar, that was probably the closest to a running mate that Ketel Marte has had. Like, I want to get like a J.D. Martinez, Bogarts, Devers kind of situation going where you have two to three guys that can just play off each other and really carry your lineup. And maybe one day that's Marte and Corbin Carroll, Corbin Carroll and Dalton Varsho and Alec Thomas um, that's carrying this lineup. But right now, Alec Thomas and Dalton Varsho, they're very good, but they're just not there yet. And I thought Dalton Varsho might be a little bit further in his development at this point but he still has looked pretty good and I still think he can get to another level and maybe the second half of the season with Dalton Varsha playing more outfield now that Carson Kelly's back will help his offensive game out as well so that's my second dislike a lot of flashes from players not named Ketel Marte in the slant but no one consistently playing like an all-star and then the final thing that I dislike from the season is just how bad the optics look on that Paul Goldschmidt trade because I'm recording this on Tuesday. Paul Goldschmidt had three home runs today. Meanwhile, Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver, I mean, Carson Kelly offensively has done nothing so far this season, and he missed time with injury. Luke Weaver was on the 60-day injured list. He looked good in his first you know, appearance back, but... Those two have basically had lost seasons so far during this 2022 season. I mean, it hasn't been a good start for either of those guys. It hasn't been good for either of those guys since 2019. Essentially, I mean, 2020 was terrible for Luke Weaver. It wasn't as bad for Carson Kelly, but still wasn't great. 2021 was also terrible for Luke Weaver because he missed most of the season with injury. And when he did pitch, when Luke Weaver did pitch last season, he was not good. Carson Kelly, I thought, looked better than what he did in 2020, but still not the 2019 Carson Kelly. And he was also in and out of the lineup with injury as well. So when you look at that Paul Goldschmidt trade, Paul Goldschmidt looks like he's on his way to potentially winning and now MVP. He looks like he's going to be a top three candidate. Meanwhile, the D-backs are still... Meanwhile, the D-backs are just hoping Luke Weaver can be a good seventh inning guy at this point. They're hoping Carson Kelly can just be a stable defensive catcher that gets you some pop. So at the time that the D-backs trade for those two, they thought 
maybe Luke Weaver can be an all-star frontline starter, and maybe Carson Kelly can be an all-star catcher. We have to dramatically recalibrate our expectations, and I think most D-backs fans are way past that point. I don't think anyone expects those ceilings for those two players anymore. I think more people have faith that Carson Kelly can still be a borderline all-star catcher than people believe that Luke Weaver can be a frontline rotation starter, but... Considering we gave up our franchise star and considering how he still looks four years later, still looks like an MVP candidate, it's just a disaster by the D-backs. And they should have ponied up the money for a Paul Goldschmidt because guess what? Imagine if they had Ketel Marte, Paul Goldschmidt, Eduardo Espar with the Dalton Varshows and the Alec Thomases of the world. Yeah, that's a playoff team. So, um, yeah, big dislike from this early part of the season and my big three dislikes bullpen continuing to be a disaster get to martin not getting enough help and the paul goldschmidt trade looking like a complete disaster as well now that's it for this edition of the lockdown dimebacks podcast thank you to everyone who tuned into today's pod come back tomorrow for more dimebacks news coverage and insight we should have jeff carr of lockdown reds on the pod to recap the series so stay tuned for that and as always stay safe and stay healthy deuces